Hey, here we are, here we are. It's another Wednesday, and what does that mean? Well, it's Salenti and the judge, Gerald Salenti with Judge Andrew Napolitano, <laughs> Napolitano. And uh, here I am with my mwah, wonderful cup of espresso that I grind the beans by hand so there's no burning, and then when you put them in that electric blender, it burns the beans. That's why it tastes bitter, capisce? So, here it is, and I just had some nice sfugliatelle, that Anthony Frieda, the guy, the brilliant artist that does the covers for the magazine, just brought up from the city last week. So it's a happy, happy Wednesday to be on with the judge, the man of America that knows and lives by the Constitution more than anybody that I know and any other judge in America. Matter of fact, we had a uh, article in one of our Trends in the News broadcasts about how those judges judge, how they, uh, you know, they were hearing cases that, legal cases that were financial cases that they were invested in or their families. No. Right? I'm sorry to say, well, I got to say two things. First of all, everybody watching us now should know you are intentionally taunting me. <laughs> because you have the ability to grind those beans and I don't. I have a good espresso maker, but it's not as good as yours. <laughs> but, to you, but to your question, this is reprehensible. There, there are two basic rules that govern judges. One is judges must avoid all impropriety and they must avoid all appearance of impropriety. So even if a judge owns a very tiny amount of stock in a corporation that is in litigation before him or her. The judge should recuse himself, pass it back to the clerk's office, and they give it to another judge. There may be no impropriety, but there is the potential for appearance of impropriety. And when judges give the impression to the public that their rulings could or might be self-serving, then the judiciary is shot. Then they are not the I iconic individuals who will always do the right thing that we expect of our judges. When I saw the article in the New York Times, once in a while the Times does some very great investigative work. I rarely agree with the opinions of their editorialists, except on some civil liberties issues. When I saw that article, 133 Federal judges, there's only a thousand federal judges in the country. So more than 10% made decisions on cases where the litigants in those cases were entities that the judge or his close family, spouse, children, parents, own shares of stock. That's not right. Now it's a, it's crazy. Now people have to decide whether or not those cases have to be relitigated before another judge or whether the decision was so obvious anyway that it didn't make a difference. And that's why I'm truly honored to be your, both your friend and, of course, to be doing these podcasts with you because you are that iconic judge. You are a man of the Constitution. You are a man of America. And you are and live the soul of America, and it's, it's so rare out there. Well, you're nice to say that, but you know, when you are a judge and a case comes to you and you realize you have to get rid of it, it's upsetting to the system. Too bad 
the litigants before you are entitled to a totally neutral, fair, intelligent human being trying the case, not someone who has the slightest bias or the slightest prejudice. So, you know, but I that's what's going myself on. all the time and it upset my my colleagues because what is that? What is the Palatano doing? He's sending these cases out and it's more work for us. Too bad. Send me your cases. I'll send you mine. I, I, I'm not going to be involved in a case where I have an interest in the outcome or where it appears I might have an interest in the outcome. Yeah. How about those two New York City judges, um, you know, that that wouldn't let the defendants go unless they got vaccinated? Well, I think the case you're talking about is actually worse. The, this case that I know of, the judge denied custody in a matrimonial case because the mother declined to be vaccinated. There is no basis for that uh, in our system, but it's happening right before our eyes. You and I, and we have a lot of colleagues in, who agree with us, we are bucking the tide here oh. because the tide is to punish, take away a job, take away salary, take away liberty, do whatever the government can to force people to be vaccinated. And now, I'm glad you brought this up, my dear friend, and now this has seeped into the judiciary. The judiciary should forget about it. COVID has nothing to do with the judiciary. Cases have to be tried on their merits not on the political or, or scientific or religious views of the litigants. Well, I just read today where, where a New York judge isn't being allowed to come into the courtroom because he's not vaccinated. This particular uh, judge, a female, is on the Court of Appeals of the state of New York, not far from where you are now uh, in Albany. That is the highest court in the state. There are seven judges on it. And the sheriffs that run the courthouse are the ones that are, it's not her fellow six uh, jurists, it's the sheriffs who run the courthouse. The security people who run the courthouse are saying, Your Honor, we're not letting you in your own chambers. I don't know where uh, that's going to go because she has the power to sign an order to nullify their order. Oh. I don't know if she wants to uh, go there. She may decide to work at home um, remotely, just like you and I are doing now. And I don't know her personally, but it's it's a it's a disgrace not to the judiciary, but to the idea of, of individual self-determination that she can't go to work. Well, I think the judge that I was talking about, I think his name is Radoff or Ratoff in, in the city. Well, uh, if you're talking about uh, Rakoff. Rakoff, yeah. Jed Rakoff, he is a Rakoff. Dear friend of mine, and, and <laughs> Greenberg, he is Iceberg, a, what's the difference anyway? Right, right, right. He is a fierce <laughs> civil libertarian. And I did not know that he's involved in this. The judge I'm talking about is a female jurist in Albany. Judge no, the one Rakoff I'm talking is about. a federal judge in Lower Manhattan. Yeah, that he, that's the guy that would not grant, the, they brought this guy up for trial and they, he wouldn't release them unless they got vaccinated. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that he did that. That's out yep. of character. Two of them, two judges. And judge, you just wrote an article, it's going out tonight, on you know, the law and what the Supreme Court says and how it's basically being violated so by these mandates that they're forcing on us. Could you tell us more about that? I appreciate you mentioning that. Uh, the, 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 you know, wherever you post it, they can title it however they want. The suggested title is A Brief History of uh, 
personal privacy and bodily integrity. Uh, the, the, the pro-vaccine people, lawyers and non-lawyers, government and non-government, have been using a 1905 Supreme Court opinion called Massachusetts versus Jacobson to justify the mandates for vaccines. That case was written before the jurisprudence that discovered and recognized the right to privacy and bodily integrity. That case says the state of Massachusetts can order smallpox vaccination and hold you down against your will and inject it in your arm as long as the legislature does it, as long as the legislature enacts that law. That case does not stand for the proposition that a mayor or a governor or the president can issue a mandate, call it a law, and use the force of government to enforce it. And that case has been repudiated by numerous other cases, which I articulate in this article, which stand for the proposition that you control your own body. You have the right to accept or reject whatever drugs you want. And when you make that decision with a physician, that decision is protected by the right to privacy and the government can't invade it. So all those lawyers out there who are relying on Jacobson against Massachusetts, it's not good law anymore. It's been repudiated by the Supreme Court of the United States. I'm sick and tired of hearing lawyers, even lawyers I respect, misrepresent what the law is in order to justify their political goals. Political goal is the control over us that the government wants yep. by treating us like we are good little boys and girls. I'm using a Salenti line right there. Good little boys and girls. That's their political goal. And when they try to argue disingenuously that the Supreme Court has justified this, they're dead wrong. So I wrote this article with a little bit of anger, as you might tell when you read it. Well, there, there should be a lot of anger in the sense that they're robbing us of our freedom. And now we're, we're seeing the beginning of it now with the CDC coming out and recommending that when you get onto an airplane or go fly, oh, and you shouldn't really go now unless you're vaccinated. And well, that, that recommendation gonna... is probably going to um, migrate into some sort of a mandate soon. Exactly. Because as you know, the CDC which tried to regulate the relationship between landlords and tenants, and the courts have said uniformly, you have no authority in this area. The CDC is like any aspect of government. You give them a little bit of power and they can't control themselves. They want to regulate your lives. The CDC exists to provide us with scientific information so we can keep ourselves healthy. It does not exist to tell us how to live, to tell airlines who to put on their planes, and to tell landlords when and when they can't evict their tenants who don't pay their rent. But they're do and they're doing it. And as yes. you said, what they're yes. doing now is they're setting us up for a mandate. First, it's yes. a recommendation. Oh, by the way, L.A. out there, uh, they, they're going to be passing some very strict rules on, like they have in New York City. You know, no vax, no jobs, you can't go into a restaurant, no gym can't get your hair done, on and on. They're making this stuff up. And, 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 and again, if you're a young person, you can't go to college. It's, it's almost 500 colleges in the United States. No vax, no college. We had, and, a, we had a case here in New Jersey, and the father of this college student is a 
state police sergeant who happens to be a friend of mine. So I'm a little bit biased here, but you, you tell me what you think of this. And the, the college is Rutgers. Yeah. The state university, 100,000 students wouldn't let this kid register for remote classes, for remote classes from his home, his parents' home. They wouldn't let him register for those until he got the vaccine. This is how crazy the government and maniacal the government has become over this. Well, you know, it's like the, the, you go on an airplane. <clears throat> okay, okay, little boys and girls, you could take your mask off and eat and drink, but when you finish, put it back on because that's when the virus comes. It doesn't come when you're eating and drinking. It only comes when you're not eating and drinking and you have a mask off. You know, so put your mask on. Oh, oh, and when you go into a restaurant, make sure you walk in with your mask on. And when you go up to, to, to go to the bathroom, put your mask back on because when you're sitting down, the virus doesn't hit you when you're sitting down. It only gets you when you're standing up. They're making this shit up. They are making it up. I, a I bunch of crapheads are making this shit up. It's the same thing. Remember, wiping down all the surfaces. Right. Oh, yeah. The chances of getting it are only, what, one in uh, 10,000? Right. Getting it outside, less than 1%. These are facts. And what they're doing to kids. We say vaccine kid. This is a story in this week's Trends Journal. Vax kids more drowned in the U.S. than died of COVID. According to the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, 498 children from the ages of 1 to 19 years of age across the U.S. have died from the COVID. That's over 18 months, which is easily outpaced by deaths caused by gym, by gun violence, drownings, and traffic accidents. But now Reuters tells of a new study. Oh, this is the wrong thing. But anyway, it goes on. The Daily Mail reported that data collected from May 2020 to the week ending 23 September showed that a total of 3,343 children died in car accidents and 4,000 from drowning. Wow. The Trends Journal has extensively reported on the relatively low risk the disease possesses for children without underlying conditions. You ready? <clears throat> According to the CDC, the virus recovery rate for 1 to 20-year-olds is 99.997%. We also have these articles, and these are facts. Kids don't spread COVID. More evidence kids don't spread COVID to adults. Data confirms schools aren't super spreaders. The CDC report pointed out that suicides among children in 2020, you ready? Rose by 50% because they're locked down and being freaked out. Wow. This is, and, and they're forcing kids, you can't, your teachers, this is demonic. It is it's demonic. A, it's it's what, what can we do, Judge, to help reverse this negative trend? All right, I want to go back and I'll, I'll, that's a great question, but I want to go back to the airlines. I think I told you when we had dinner last that I was recently in Italy, and I don't want to tell you what airline uh, this was, one of the large American uh, carriers. The uh, flight attendant came on in the first class cabin, and he said, 
you got to wear your mask even between sips <laughs> of water or the drinks we just served you. And I called him over and I said, do you really mean that? And he goes, judge, I'm doing what they tell me to do. I don't believe it. My bosses don't believe it. We are pawns of the government. So, Gerald, the government doesn't have the resources to enforce these regulations. It is using private businesses as its agents to enforce it. So when private businesses say, go enforce your own rules, we're not going to do it for you. When restaurants say, we're satisfied these people are safe, Mayor de Blasio of New York, you want this regulation enforced, you enforce it. The public will realize that the government is without the resources to enforce it. And there is something called the right to take chances. You're not vaccinated, I am. We just look at this thing uh, uh, differently in terms uh, of, the, of the vaccine. But we have the right to take chances. You and I have the right to go to whatever restaurant you want, as long as that restaurant is willing to serve us. And the government has no right to say, you can serve me, but can't serve you. So we need to put our foot down. Those who are being used by the government to enforce its unlawful, unconstitutional mandates and say, we're not going to do your dirty work for you. Well, you know, you said it. The fellow, you said, we're, pawn, the, we're pawns of the government. Yes. Could you yes. imagine? No. Could you your imagine we're even is... saying this man to man, we're pawns of the government. Well, well I we never are our plantation workers I, on the global plantation of Slavelandia. Right. I never thought uh, that I would be saying this. And, and when you and I were younger, you in the Bronx and me in Bloomfield, New Jersey, we always thought we'd have more freedom when we got older rather than less because the government is so big because power all flows from the local and the county and the state to Washington rather than power flowing out of Washington. It's like the federal government, the Senate of the United States, run by your good buddy Chuck Schumer, I'm being <laughs> sarcastic, is a general legislature in its own mind that can right any wrong and regulate any behavior and tax any event, the Constitution be damned. That is not the case. That's not what the federal government was written and created to exist. And we need to return the flow of power back to the states and the states are no saints. A lot of these governors are as bad as the president and, and back to individuals. But you're well, right. When we were kids, and we didn't know each other at the time. I don't think either of us ever thought that as we got older, uh, liberty would decrease and government power would increase. But that's what we have. Well, there's this thing called the, uh, <clears throat> we might get censored for this, the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Who has consented to the government? I don't know anybody that's consented no. to the government. Jefferson recognized that, and he said, we need a new government, a bloodless revolution every 19 years. That's what a generation was in his day, so that people can consent to it or reject it, because the consent of the governed is the absolute linchpin to its legitimacy. Nobody has consented to the U.S. Constitution or the Constitution of the state of New York or the state of New Jersey or any of the other 
uh, 48 states. We just assume that because the law is there and people are there to enforce it, that government is something we believe in and have consented to. Hey, is anybody listening to us now? If you consented to the governor, please let Gerald and his people know because you are a very unique individual in America. Yeah. You know, and then it goes that when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government. Right. You know, um, during World War One, one of the worst presidents in American history, the former governor of New Jersey, the former president of Princeton, the former scholar of constitutional law, Woodrow Wilson, arrested people, had the precursor to the FBI arrest people for reading aloud outside of draft offices what you just read, those very same portions of the Declaration of Independence. And when he was challenged by the press, he said, oh, the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. I'm not Congress. I'm the president. Yeah. Hey, Congress writes the laws, not the president. And the First Amendment governs and regulates the entire government, including you, Mr. President. So I know you said it sarcastically. We might get in trouble for reading our founding document. But the words in the founding document go right into the face of all government today. And they stand for the proposition that without the consent of the governed or when the government fails to protect fundamental liberties or actively assaults fundamental liberties, it is the right and the duty of the people to alter or abolish it and replace it with a government that will protect their liberties and to which they can freely give their consent. And that's why you, Judge Napolitano, are a man of honor and dignity and knowledge that the world needs to know, particularly the American people, because all those things have been stolen from us right in front of our eyes. Yes. And, and what can we do? What, what suggestions do you have? What step number one? If you uh, own a business, tell the government you're not going to enforce their, uh, their COVID rules. Now, that's going to be risky because if you sell alcohol, they're going to try and take your liquor license away from you. But challenge it in court. Force okay. judges to rule on these profound constitutional issues. You might luck out and you might actually garner a lot of support from uh, your patrons uh, in the restaurant. I'm just using a restaurant uh, as, uh, as an Or example. a gym or anything, yeah. Any, any kind of operation where the government wants to tell you, look, the government can't deliver the mail, the government can't fill <laughs> bottles, the can't, government can't spend within its means. You know, this list is endless. Now they're going to second guess people as to how to run their private businesses. Yeah, that's absurd. oh yeah, so and they did a the great job thing. with the wars they've been running, huh? There oh yeah. There you go. Oh, and by the way, you talked about Congress. What well, Congress hasn't voted to go to war? It is what since World War II. Yes, yes. Look at all the wars we've had since then. Yeah, because in Congress violation of the looks, Constitution. Congress looks the other way when the president starts a war. Yep. And it doesn't matter whether the president is a Republican or a Democrat. Nope. And it doesn't matter whether Congress is run by Republicans or Democrats. They do the same thing. They look the other way when Barack Obama is bombing uh, Libya or Donald Trump is bombing Syria, whatever the heck it may be. Neither of those was authorized by Congress. Now, this country is going down and we're doing our best to bring it back up. Thank you so much, Judge. It's an honor and a privilege to be on with you. And for everyone listening, what you're hearing 
from Judge Napolitano. You don't hear anywhere else. Again, this is a man with the true knowledge, wisdom, and passion that was once the soul of America, and we're bringing it back. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Gerald.